we'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Yosepto, Tawishi, Jeep, Choksog, Imuro, Kalili, Nasaret, Tongneso, Yurere, Kanghayo, Perelehem, Irahanen, Taishi, Tongnero. Para ser empadronado con María, su mujer, desposada con él, la cual estaba encinta. Y aconteció que estando ellos ahí, se cumplieron los días en que ella había de parir. Joseon Nila ang isang anghel ng Panginoon at nagliwanag sa kapaligiran nila ang nakakasilaw na kaluwalhatian ng Panginoon. Ganoon nalamang ang kanilang pagatakot. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord.
What a crazy year it's been, huh? And in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of all the chaos, Jesus didn't just enter into the world 2,000 years ago, but he's in the midst of all of this with us today. And we could take a deep breath and say, Emmanuel, God with us. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for this wonderful night where we could gather. The color is beautiful, the worship is nice but we simply want to marvel and worship and adore you. You came into this world when you didn't have to. You came to those who had rejected you and turned their backs against you, and you called us back home. And God, on this glorious season where we celebrate your return, we give ourselves to you again and again. And for those who are searching for what that star means and that baby means, would you allow that to be clear today and tomorrow as you speak into our hearts to those who are wandering? We pray these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus, who is the Savior. Amen. I wanted to start by, do you, do you all know what understatement is? You all know what understatement is, that word? It's like Warren Buffett has money. That's an understatement, you know? Um, you, there's a few other understatements like uh, Pavarotti. You know who Pavarotti is? It's like saying Pavarotti could sing. Uh, or understatement is Disneyland is fun. You know, it's the happiest place on earth. There was an admiral from World War I, and two of his ships exploded during a war, during a battle called Battle of Jutland. And this is his understatement. There seems to be something wrong with our bloody ships today. <laughs> and then... Do you know what DNA is? Kids, do you know what DNA is? You do. It's got all the information of your whole body that 
It's just inside every single one of us. And when the scientists discovered it, this is what they said, a true understatement. This structure has novel features, which is of considerable biological interest. <laughs> so, so spoken like scientists. And when we look at Luke chapter 2, and as you read along, the thing that grabs us about Luke chapter 2 is it's such a full text of understatements. And I want to go into that. But I think there's a reason why Luke has so many understatements. And I think there's a purpose of what he's trying to get us to. So I just want to give a backdrop of Luke chapter 2. Caesar Augustus sets out a, a decree that a census should be taken. He wants to know basically who is eligible for the military government. And he also wants to know the, the three-letter word that we all know. How much tax can I get? So he has this decree and God is, without Caesar Augustus knowing who God is, he is working right into the plan of God because God had it so that people will go back to Bethlehem and out of Bethlehem, there would be a baby that's born. And I wanted to say to you, this is not the main sermon, but it's funny how consistently over Daniel and the whole Old Testament, God is fulfilling his purposes through all kinds of people. And I want to let you know that God is working in your life, whether you realize it or not, in fantastic ways. So because of that, verse 4, this is where it gets fun. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem. And why the town of Bethlehem? Because it says, this is the town of David. Because Joseph, he belonged to the house and line of David. And that line is going to be bringing in, according to prophecy, the Messiah. So Joseph goes back to Bethlehem because he's from the line of David. So here's where the understatements become really fun. Women and the ladies of this house, you're going to appreciate it I think, a little bit more, but I'll get to that in a bit. First, Joseph and Mary went from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Luke kind of just throws that out there, right? So Joseph and Mary, so he went to uh, Bethlehem from Nazareth. Do you know how far it is from Bethlehem to Nazareth? Kids, how many miles do you think? Oh, Dexter, you, 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 you just pulled the punch. 70 miles. That's like saying the choir and I are walking to Legoland in Carlsbad tomorrow. Anybody want to join us? Because from La Mirada to Carlsbad Legoland to the doorstep is 70.4 miles. So Luke is like, so Joseph and Mary, they went from Judea, Nazareth to Bethlehem walking. Wow. And, you know, it's kind of like, hey, Luke, give a little more color there. So boring. And I'm not sure, but you guys know the Ironman triathlon? That's 140 miles worth of distance they cover, but 112 of that is bicycles. Joseph and Mary are walking 70 miles. So here's a second understatement. He says, and Mary was, quote unquote, say with me, expecting a child. And then this is where the crowd goes, go, oh, oh, she's so, like a little baby bump, you know, like so cute. So, but here's the fun part. The reason why that's such an understatement is the Greek word for expecting a child is egkios. And you're like, what does that mean? It literally means she was huge <laughs> with a child. Literally, that's what it means. Egkios means she was great with a child. She wasn't just conceived. She was enormous. 
I'm talking about nine months. Huge. I'm talking about, you know, when your husbands, your wives are like, get over here. And yes. And I remember when Michelle, when we were first pregnant with, you know, she was, my wife was pregnant with Michelle. And I had to help her through the door. You know that? And I'm just picturing, just picture that. 70 miles with a pregnant lady, not just conceived, but great with child. I mean, full-blown. So, verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, child, a son. Now, women who gave birth, okay, wait, I want to ask you a question. Do you recall your experience being, you went to the hospital and you gave birth to a child and it was a son? No, you were, you were yelling. You were crying. You were not going, the baby's coming, dear. You know, and, and I remember my wife, she was like, I'm going to try to do that epidural. I'm going to try to do that epidural. And then she was like, I want the epidural. Give it to me now. And the doctor comes up with a needle. Kids, you know how long that needle is? It's this long. This long. And they put it in her. So kids, say thank you to your moms. Everyone say thank you to your moms. And so my point is like, why would Luke miss out on all these details? He's notoriously, he's supposed to be known as a physician. But he misses out on all these details. And he just kind of glances over these big things. And I think part of it is because he's building up to the main point. See, that's background information. It's important. It's not unimportant, but he's excitedly ushering us into the main point. And this is what he says in verse 10, 11. Do not be afraid, as he repeats what the angel says. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of Bethlehem, David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. No understatement there. What he's saying is good news. Good news. Did you ever receive good news? I'm getting a test for cancer tomorrow. Can you pray for me? Yes, I will, Mr. Blah, blah. And then three days later, I got a phone call. Hey, good news. It's gone. You know, did you ever get that good news? And can you imagine David and Luke is saying, there's good news. Joy for all the people. And he says, a savior has been born to you. And he keeps going. He is not just a nice child. He is the Messiah. What is the Messiah? The chosen one that we've been waiting for. And he is the Lord. And what will give us great joy? I don't think we know joy unless we know pain, right? Have you ever had canker sores? I mean, you never know how delicious orange juice is until you have a canker sore. You're like, you're like, I hate orange juice. You know, you have a canker sore, that white stuff, and you drink orange juice, and you feel like your body's just shaking. And then after that or canker sore is gone, you drink orange juice. It's like the best thing ever. You know, I, I don't think we know what joy is unless we know what pain is. And there's joy for all people because the people, if we look at our lives, that video shows our lives are messy, is it not? Your life is messy. The world is messy. Our country is messy. How many of those headlines did you not know? Beheadings, plane crash, Ebola. And you know, when you see children, you're trying to save them, and we live in a chaotic world. And God is saying to us, there's great joy because he has sent someone to rescue us. He has provided a means for our salvation, and he has given us 
hope. I want to tell you something. Whether you've been going to church or you came for the first time because your girlfriend or boyfriend, grandma paid you off to say, just come to church once. Thank you for coming here, if that's you. Isn't it true? You don't look for something unless you realize you have a need. If your toilet's clogged, you're not going to call an electrician. You don't think about Roto-Rooter unless the thing's overflowing. It doesn't occur to you that you you need a savior unless you have a a dilemma, an issue. And I want to ask you something. Some of us, we say, I need religion. I need to get my life straight. I want to tell us something. Those are one of the most wrong or incorrect statements at worst, at best. Those are the greatest understatements we ever need have. We severely underestimate our spiritual condition and need for a savior. See, I don't look for a savior unless I know that I'm in need of saving. So I want to ask us, have you said these understatements this year? Let me read you a few. Have any of you, maybe you're perfect, but maybe some of us said, I can't avoid foolish and costly mistakes over and over again. Maybe some of you said, tragedy in my life seems to be unceasing. Maybe that's an understatement to you. Maybe some of you said, people can be cruel. Maybe just on your way driving here. Maybe some of you said, sometimes there seems to be no justice. Or my past, it keeps haunting me. Or I don't have any peace. And these phrases are reminders that we are understating our situation. It's bad. And what the Bible calls it is this, simply this. It's a curse. Theologians, we call it sin. And out of us, we try to live life forgetting that we have this curse on us. But can I tell you good news tonight? And we'll see it in about 10 minutes as these kids go up. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, look what the Bible says God did to address the curses of this world, the injustices, the Ferguson, the ISIS, the, all these recklessness of your life. Look at the, what the Bible says. Christ redeemed us from the curse. Hallelujah. Come on, let's get a little bit Pentecostal here. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. The reason why that video makes sense to you and me is because we can understand pain and curse. And the reason why this baby that's going to be in here in a few minutes is so precious to us is that baby was born for one reason, to absorb my curse, absorb your curse, absorb the world's curse. The baby was born in order to die, that you and I could live. The Savior came for us. You see, to say Christmas is nice, that's an understatement. To say Jesus came, that's an understatement. A truer statement is, the Savior has come to redeem me and the world. I am undeserving of this. That's a little better, but even then, that's probably an understatement, but it's true. And I want to share with us just a quote that somebody said as I wrap this up. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. A modern quote would be Google. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. 
If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness from the curse. So God sent us a savior. Amen? Amen. Friends, we don't just have a sentimental tradition of Christmas. We celebrate my salvation, your salvation has come. We no longer have to be buried in this curse. We no longer have to let those messages be the final say. When we bury our loved ones, we no longer have to say goodbye. But in Jesus Christ, we can say the curse is finished. Jesus Christ has taken all my curse. The baby is born. And Emmanuel, he is here with us today. Do you believe that? This is Christmas. And this is why we celebrate in the way we do. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, to say that we are not good is probably one of the most common understatements. You did not come to make us better. You came us to make us alive. You did not come so that we could be religious, but you came us came so that we could be forgiven. And it's amazing when we see little babies, how our heart melts, and to realize that you, the creator God, who spoke the world into being, you humbled yourself to be a little baby. It's just mind-blowing. So how dare we, God, come to worship you as if this is for us. This is not for us. This is all for you, God. Every breath we take is for you. Every heartbeat is for you. You redeemed it, and we believe that you are indeed our Savior. So thank you, Father, for being the Savior for all people. And as we watch it through the skits, as we sing it in our songs, may our hearts just break and melt before you with joy and gladness that you are indeed God who has touched earth with your incredible love. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's most holy name. Amen.